Welcome to Growing in the Gospel with Father Zach Weber. It is the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Welcome to Growing in the Gospel. Father Zach here. Excited to have you with me, and hopefully this helps you come to Sunday Mass ready and prepared. This Sunday, our Gospel reading is a challenging one. We find ourselves back in the vineyard like we had last week. And our Gospel comes from Matthew 21, 28 through 32. So it's going to give you an opportunity to call upon the Holy Spirit. Go physically grab your Bible, turn to Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32. If you have a friend, you know, go call them, press pause, do this with them, do things in community, and ask the Lord to help you come to Mass prepared to change, because this Sunday's Gospel is a tough one. Our Gospel begins with, Jesus said to the chief priests, and elders of the people. What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not. But afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. All right. So, I think a question we got to ask is, is Jesus, because Jesus is using a lot of Parables, right? So at one level, parables deal anonymously with universal truths of the human condition. But their general purpose at once prompts us to identify like the concrete realization of those truths that we suspect has have already taken place in our own life. And much of a parable's impact depends on the manner and situation in which its teller relates it and on the timing of its delivery. So the parable here, we have the parable of two sons, and Jesus does this often. But it's brief and brilliant, and it exposes this this deep chronic tension in the human life between saying and doing. You know, like this, it's a manifestation of like deep intention, actual realization. It also stresses the gradual nature of, of the process of spiritual growth. So in this gospel, you know, we hear Jesus talking to the elders and the chief priests, and he says, what is your opinion? Which is a great question because everyone has an opinion, right? And he says, a father, or a, uh, he came and said, son, go out and work, right? A father had two sons, son, go out and work in the vineyard. But he ends with this deep question of like, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God. But Why? Because when they encountered Jesus Christ, who did not, as we're in the second reading, did not redeem or regard equality with God at some degree, they found in Jesus everything they needed to be happy. And that is what made it easy for them to leave behind the way of grasping the ways of the world and obeying the master, Jesus himself, who became obedient to the point of death. So if someone turns or repents, 
has a metanoia from their wickedness and does what is right and just, he shall surely live and not die. Because this means that that person has found Jesus Christ, who is infinitely more attractive than the most powerful allure of evil. So what's up with us? Why do we say we're going to do things and we don't do them? I don't know about you, but flakiness drives me nuts. And the father here, who is also the vineyard owner, extends the same request or command to both of his sons. So it's almost like also like our heart. You know, we have like a divided self at times. And their antithetical responses do not make either of them more or less his son. They're always his son. You are always a beloved daughter or a beloved son of the father. But the nature of each response, or should I say total response, does distinguish the good son from the bad son, or the best version of yourself from the worst version of yourself, the evil version of yourself versus the saintly version of yourself. So the parable focuses on the contrast between an initially positive but shallow response and initially negative but modifiable response. There's considerable patience that needs to be given to this parable. Because you and I can always say, oh, I'm going to be there, but then I don't go. But here, I believe there's always uh, an important part to say there was a move by the first son that he changed his mind. He had a change of heart. He actually regretted what he did. He was moved by repentance. He literally thought about his decision and thought that's not what I want to do. And he actually had anxiety in his heart because he wasn't following Jesus or in here following the father. So this shows that despite the immediate immediate refusal of the first son's conscience, it's actually healthy and operative. And the loneliness of an aching conscience leads him to seek his father's company in the vineyard. And the anticipated drudgery of the work is transfigured in his imagination by the equally anticipated joy in sharing in his father's work. So his sense of responsibility, a word that our culture doesn't like, because that means you got to be a steward, you got to respond to the, the message of Jesus. It's nurtured by a spacious relationship with a loving father. You know, we can easily imagine the surprise and pleasure of the father already laboring among the vine branches as he catches first sight of his son approaching dressed for work and equipped with his pruning tools. Surely no words are exchanged at this point. But think of the taste of the wine in that vineyard. The illumination, the communion, the ready for forgiveness, the call to repentance. You notice how like here in this parable, he went to one of the sons and after that, at this point, you know, he refused and then he went to the second one. So it's almost like the father is begging his children, he's begging you and me to repent, to come to the vineyard, to be cleansed in his blood, to go to confession. So the second son, you know, his refusal is pretty much saying, I don't want to, I don't feel like it. And the hope of every sinner lies in the possibility of this miracle of refusal, refusal 
transformed into joyful ascent. So this parable that Jesus uses to talk about the human condition is about the central Christian concern of how the human will, made rebellious by sin and turned in on itself, can gradually open up and turn outward and finally converge with the life-giving will of God. So Jesus sets up his story with this like strict symmetry of double reversal. Who can fathom the mystery of why so often it would seem we need to act out a series of self-affirming and rebellious refusals leading to dead ends before the sun rises interiorly and we can last behold the beauty of communion through joyful obedience and collaboration. But what does Jesus want here? Jesus wants your yes. Jesus wants your total yes. You can probably understand where I'm going this. Jesus wants your fiat. He wants you to be like the Blessed Mother. Only the Lord Jesus himself, who is a perpetual yes, and his Blessed Mother always uttered a resounding and wholly reliable yes to God with both their lips and their lives. He, because of his nature, he's son and word, and she, because of a wondrous work of grace in her. And she's full of grace. And this work of grace was necessary was a necessary prelude for her to be able to give the eternal Son of God a holy human nature. So the word yes itself, no doubt, recurred very frequently in Jesus' prayer to his Father. You know, the rest of us, sinners one and all, hesitatingly, perpetually between yes and no, have only one option, to listen to the voice of Jesus and allow the power and truth of his words to burn through all layers of our delusions until the core of our utter neediness is revealed to us and we humbly and trustingly claim it as indeed our own so that we can finally whisper unyieldingly yes to his desire to claim us as his own. And that's what Mary did. She said, fiat, yes, be it done unto me according to thy word.